0: everyone. And it's Sunday. Fun day Sunday. And I got Jonathan here with me cuz Sarah is on vacation. What up, Jonathan? Yellow. What's
1: going on, Gib? Uh,
0: you know, um it, a lot. A lot a lot is going on and and I think we're going to we're going to cover way too much than we should in this in this time that we have today, but uh, I'm trying to get it all out of my system. Because next week is a mental health day on the show, and I'm not allowed to talk politics, and technically anything in regular news is politics these days. So uh, that's a lot that I can't talk
1: about next week. So I kind of have to get it in. All right, let's do it. I'm I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to try to push through all this and uh, contribute anything and all that I can to just make things more confusing.
2: All
0: right, then. Well, uh, first, let's start with a couple announcements before we get into the thick of it. Uh, The Office of Council Services is recruiting for a full-time Hawaiian language communication specialist. The closing date is June 24, 2022. The Office of Council Services provides administrative services to the council chair, the council members, individual offices, and the council's district offices. In the county's legislative process, the role of our office is to staff the county councils, committees, and subcommittees, and provide objective assistance to individual council members. Uh, education and experience that's preferred, uh, be proficient in all areas of Hawaiian language, reading, writing, and speaking, and the ability to accurately and efficiently translate between English and Hawaiian languages. Uh, so yeah, if you're looking for a job and uh, you speak olelo brah, that's the job for you. Uh, also... The fifth annual Reno Aloha Festival is accepting applications for all vendors in sweet, savory food, crafts, and merchandising applications until July 1st. 2022 for more information contact todd t-o-d-d at reno i'm going to put that in the show notes so enti you like on trip to reno and Celia your that's the weekend for you uh also um still got lots of political candidates to interview uh finally hit a wave of more so expect more to be coming out over the next couple weeks and uh my 30 days is up for my first uh interview so uh phase two is gonna be rolling out i got this nice little questionnaire i put together for each office so specific to each office some specific to each island But uh, essentially kind of blanket across the board because I realize a lot of them are facing all the same issues across the state. So outside of a couple surprise questions here and there, uh, be on the lookout in my blog and uh, a secondary bonus episode of each of the previous candidates that came on that we did our little meet the candidate talk story. Also, because that's coming up, uh, voters, submit your candidate questions. All right uh want to hear from you uh the more you interact and the more that uh you know we we ask the questions that we want to ask instead of just you know sitting home being all comfortable you know get uncomfortable for a moment ask a question or anonymously send me a question so i can ask it for you you see how that works all right wow man um it's kind of kind of been a weird week i mean I mean, we, we, we stay in touch regularly because we work together. But, like, I mean, a lot's happened since the last time that you uh, visited the show.
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of the same old, same old, though. I mean, it just seems like we're on repeat cycle, like rinse, repeat right now. It just, I don't know. Nothing surprises me anymore.
0: Yeah, no, but I kind of felt that way for, like, probably about the past 15, almost 20 years i don't know i mean we we've we've kind (laughs) of we've kind of forayed into everything that american society can at this like evolutionary plateau because i think that's kind of where we've been at so we're just we're we're playing the greatest hits album right now america is uh you know the third generation of sticks or gordon lightfoot in his 80s and we're just touring all the casinos of America, just barely getting by.
1: You know, I believe Devo released an album called The Greatest Misses, and I think that's more appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) So, um,
0: speaking of things that, uh, you know, never change, uh, but should... Recent uh, evaluations of uh, the uh, teacher employment market are showing that uh, a lot of teachers are uh, needing uh, two or even three jobs while being a teacher to uh, pay the bills and keep the lights on. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of issues with that. I love this article. I love this article from uh, KITV. You know, it says like average teacher salary is something like seventy thousand dollars a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they even said, like, that sounds like a lot. And it does sound like a lot, but but do this. Take out taxes. Take out union dues. Take out all the money that they have to spend to buy all the supplies for their classroom because they do, and they spend a lot on their classrooms. My wife was a sub for a long time. We have friends who are teachers, I know. And then divide that by 12, and you're in negative m- numbers once you start taking out rent in Hawaii.
0: Oh yeah. And that's just just, like
1: that. that That's just rent. That's not food. That's not gas.
0: Yeah. That second job is for gas and food. And the third job is, you know, all the in-betweens like needing internet because your job requires it or having a cell phone or, you know, healthcare.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the, the teachers union includes healthcare, but you know, there's still medical costs that still come up. There's still, you know, basic life necessities outside of just food that we have to buy every time we go to the store. Most of the times we go to the store, right? There's, you know, I, I, I've, I haven't broken it down for a long time, but, you know, if you do the cost of a family of four in Maui for groceries and gas and cell phones and Wi-Fi and, you know, everything comes with that. I mean, that right there, you're talking 1500 at least. And that's not even doing your mortgage, not even doing
0: your rent. Oh, yeah. No, and I, I think most people don't see the big picture of, like, how much a child costs. You know, you spend it in so few pieces. I mean, in so many pieces that it looks like just nickels and dimes to you. But, I mean, like, children under five cost, like... a year to operate, you know, that's the, the P and L for a baby. And then like, it goes down a little bit, you know, what, when they're a toddler, but then like it spikes because different areas, like, you know, growth spurts. So like you're buying clothes every other month, you know, as Mm -hmm. opposed to like feeding it every 10 minutes. So like, I mean, I, I, I think that like, it's not until like your kid's like 16 that they cost as little as like, 15 to $20,000 a year because they're like slowly becoming sustainable themselves. So, I mean,
1: if, yeah, but that, then, you know, my boy, he's, he's just turned 15 and he is just starting to hit that point where, you know, he'll have a steak dinner and then he'll say, I'm still hungry. Oh yeah. you know? And, and so <laughs> yeah, the, the cost is, is extreme uh, the lack of diapers is made up for by the uh, extra boxes of ramen and mac and cheese. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know,
0: and then I, I I think this, this automatically goes into uh, a small subject. We we talked about online earlier this week uh, with, uh, with cost of living stuff that uh, gas isn't slowing down at all.
1: No, it's not. And you know, when the gas prices first started going up, I was like, you know what? It's 35 cents a gallon more than what it was back a little while ago, do the math, it's only, you know, 15 bucks more a month, you know, we'll be okay, whatever, and it just kept going up, and just kept going up, and, you know, unfortunately I'm kind of eating crow with my with my uh, you know, sort of lack of concern for it, because I didn't realize how much this was going to continue on, and now it's at the point where you're talking about the amount of gases, you know, so you got a lot of people now on Maui, for instance, who live, who work in Lahaina but have to live on the other side of the island because Lahaina's gotten so expensive, right? Mm-hmm. And that drive to and from, add that up, do the math. Now you're talking about, do we get to eat? you know steak or are we gonna have to do uh, spam musubi you know are we gonna are we gonna have vegetables on the plate or are we gonna have to do like uh just the, the frozen bag of whatever we get you know it, it's you're starting to change lifestyles of things and you have to start pulling things out just because the price of gas is going up to that point where it's actually adding up to a hundred dollars more a month or more for certain people and for a lot of people that hundred dollars is a lot.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I, I'd say that $100 is being being kind of nice. About maybe I'm being,
1: yeah, maybe I'm being generous on that. Yeah, I you're mean,
0: right. I, I think, like, personally, like, I, I mean, me just driving my kid to school and then picking him up, I mean, that's that's about $180 a week in just that endeavor.
1: Yeah, no, so, I mean, good if, point then. Know, so if, ga- if gas went up about 20%, which I think it did go up about 20% um, over the last year, something like that, right? Yeah. Is that pretty close? Uh, well, so, and it's also it's
0: going up a lot faster in areas where it's been behind. So, like, the states that are usually, like, a dollar less than us are even getting within the same range. And I think that that's, like, that's the scarier sign in all of this is – all of those Rust Belt states where normally, like, the economy is so deflated, you can't even, like, get price gouging to happen because there's just no effing way about it. So I, I think it's kind of interesting that, like, the the dead states are starting to see – I mean, and that's that's really a bigger sign of, like, supply chain issues, you know, more than ever. Because, then like, at least in, like, a, a standard supply and demand case, their price is going to stay down because they have enough in stock, but I mean, we're actually at enough of a, a, an issue with supplying, like, the Midwest to the East Coast, that like, for once Midwest cities have to pay the brunt of it, just like all the metropolitan cities have been doing every inflation period since, like, Desert Storm.
1: hmm hmm Well, and this feeds right into the, the trucking issue. You know, the trucking issue, if they can't, I think I heard a stat says something like, there's for every annual job essentially as a trucker uh trucking companies have to hire three people to fill that one what should be one job but they can't keep the truckers on the job because their costs are too high Mm -hmm. which is a whole nother you know just just rabbit hole to dive into if you ever want to look at the world of being a trucker and the costs and expenses that that come along with it for most of these truckers who are working as independent contractors, yet they're behoven to these trucking companies and the the costs they give them. Uh, but when you talk about rising gas prices, I mean, if gas prices go up twenty to twenty five percent, that's twenty twenty five percent off. You know, what's supposed to be income, which I doubt has changed for them on how much they're getting paid per job. Yeah
0: then well, I and I think that like you know with the the rising gas in in the smaller states I mean I think we're gonna get a, a really big migration soon I mean we just had one and then I mean we' we're, we're starting to get them closer and closer together you know it used to be like you'd see it like once a presidential election cycle and now we're kind of seeing uh, you know migration about every two years. In America, so like it, it's just like we're we're now at a point where like each each city is independently in its own boom bust boom problem. Like America's economy is no longer this like one solitary force. It's this uh, what's a good term for it? It's a divested shithole without any securities <laughs> or real
1: indexes. That's a good term for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, That's
1: accurate. That's accurate. Yeah, but see, but what, okay, but but let me ask you: Where are these people migrating to? So well, let's say, let's say, rural America, who's used to these lower cost of living, lower gas prices, all this stuff, and now their jobs are going away because supply chain, COVID, all this stuff, and they're like, oh, I got to go to the big cities who have these jobs, right? But we have a housing crisis at the same time, so all these people want to migrate to the jobs but the cost of living is so ridiculously high that it's really on paper it's really no different than where they were
0: well yeah in the long run it's really no different and they don't realize that because like the corporations just playing a shell game with the cities and the states so, I mean, in a lot of cases, these people that move for that new job, for that new plant that's opening, I mean, that corporation's getting huge welfare checks from the government to send a bonus check to get you to move. They'll be like, oh, well, I'll give you a $15,000 sign in today if you'll move to Mississippi to work in this toothpaste factory. And then you're like, okay, cool. And then, like, they're not cutting you the check. Uncle Sam's cutting them a check, a big check, and then they're just cutting it into smaller checks. So, like, eventually, that whole shine is gonna die off because that it's not even something that the company regularly does. It just does it because Uncle Sam was nice enough to pat everybody on the back and and treat you nice
1: for moving. So that shiny new quarter they flipped you is only worth about a dull penny.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll you know, everybody. and but then the crazier part is, is like you now like create this whole vacuum in these other towns. Ta- I mean, we're about
1: to hit another era of new age ghost towns. I mean, we yeah, haven't, I was just, I was just thinking the same thing. We are going to have new ghost towns coming up.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we already have a lot of abandoned space after the 0809 collapse. And I mean, there's, there's even some pieces uh, of the Midwest that, that went down in the eighties that people just don't even think about, you know? And then that's that, and then the crazy thing about that is like, if a town has enough, value to it to a developer then it's like they can just swoop right in run for office take over a place like no qualifications whatsoever the next thing you know they're mayor or they're a council member and they're approving legislation you know and it's just so i mean there's a lot of factors that come with this and i you know so i i really think it's it's not a matter of like winds like is it going to happen it's more of a matter of when is it going to happen and we're going to have to be prepared for that because the other thing i'm seeing is is like people are looking at wow it's screwed everywhere so i might as well go somewhere that i'm going to enjoy it like if i'm going to get screwed i might as well enjoy getting screwed so like everybody's just going to flock to a metropolis you know i mean california just going to get more and more packed and then because of that like where are all the upper middle class and 1% people going to want to go? Hawaii, because it's the only place yeah. that, they afford, that the poor people can't follow them. And at the current rate that they're going, they're kicking all the other poor people out of Hawaii. So...
1: <laughs> yeah, well, wait till they run into the problem where they can't get a labor force to provide them with the services they were hoping to get when they came to Hawaii. And their little coconuts are not going to be cracked open for them, and they have to figure out how to get up the tree themselves and get a coconut to uh, you know, run their Gilligan's Island. Um, but oh, you know I the crazy thing at this at the same at the same time the crazy thing is, I feel like states like Arizona are banking on a migration right now because they've had a huge amount of new building going on for single family homes. Oh yeah, and and I think they're just sitting there like, yeah, bring us your masses. We're here. And I I don't know what. I, I haven't looked to see what jobs are are going in over there. That's you know that's going to support the amount of homes that they're building. But they've been building there for feels like decades now, and it seems like every time I look, they have a whole new community popping up. Well, I happen to know
0: that there's actually a lot of bill collecting firms that have moved to Arizona.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Like all, all the appropriate like, place for them to go. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, I mean, it's like in a huge market that people don't think about is all of these student loan consolidations. And then like, even though a lot of student debt gets forgiven, most people don't realize that a lot of student debt that's already in process, it's not going to get forgiven. So like, there's still a huge market for people to just not even buy the debt per se, but they're drop shipping the debt collection on behalf of Uncle Sam. And they just take these content, they get lead lists and they go hunting for people who owe on their their tuition.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I, I, I know that there's a there's a big company that used to be out of uh, California that moved over to Arizona. Um, I I really don't see much else out there besides, like, I think that's, the scary part is, is that like, it's starting on a false economy of just real estate in itself and then there's mm. all these non-manufacturing jobs. You know? And, but uh, like, I'm not against non-manufacturing jobs. I mean, shit, we're we're in one right now. Um, but it's I, I think that there's just way too much uh, of the uh, easy money boomer generation influence on like what job markets are growing, you know? So we're, we're getting a lot of these, like it's, it's debt retrieval or it's an MLM or it's flipping patties or bagging groceries. Like there's not like, I mean, we really are back in the eighties as far as like job opportunities and choice. You know, I, as opposed to the '80s, to where we had too many uh, broke medical grads, now we just have broke Silicon Valley grads.
1: You know, so I mean, it's just, it's one thing for another at this point. Bring it back to uh, to Maui. Bring it back to Hawaii and the jobs that are here. One of the problems is you see these big resorts still keep on getting opportunities right to to build their their resorts or expand the resorts and the great thing to the politicians sounds like they're going to bring these great jobs right and maybe union jobs and it's going to bring stability but the problem is for all those jobs that come in the majority of people who start working there there are a few who live out here but there are just as many who move here to take those jobs as well and well, so we yeah, run into the same situation we, there's
0: all of these incentive programs now to move to hawaii
1: mm-hmm. the upper management jobs what do they do The the you know the big corporate hotels even the big, even the big corporate jobs they bring in their managers from their other facilities to run the shows out here so just like a lot of other major you know professions or whatever come out here the higher paying jobs don't go to the local community. Oh, no. They're, they're shipped they're in. Never, they're brought in. Well, and they, and
0: they tend to discount the local community, which I think is just, it's it's sick in itself because then it's like, oh, yeah, you know, there's nobody but one of our guys that's going to be able to do this. And it's like, dude, Hawaiians and locals have been running hotels for how long? You know, and that's and that's the thing oh, is okay. like, you you send in this like CEO suit dude who's pretty much just getting a vacation. It's like here we're going to give you a ten year vacation.
1: Go exploit an economy for us. Yeah, and right along with that, now they you know so many of them have gone the way of timeshare. That what do they do? They don't. They recruit very few timeshare agents here on the island to get into sales. They bring theirs from Vegas, from Arizona, from all their other Branson, Missouri, all other major timeshare locations and they say hey we're opening up a new place in in maui you got to go be a sales rep over there you got to go be our director of sales over there you got to go run the show over there so they're building this huge what appears to be a labor force of like a hundred salespeople up and down the the board for managers down but almost all of them are being brought in which means we have now 50 to 100 people new to the island who are have the money because they're in sales jobs a lot of times they have more money than the average person Mm -hmm. and they're helping bring up the cost of living they're helping i mean they are bringing money to the economy but they're also taking up the homes they're also taking up the space well and and, and,
0: i don't really think it's fair to say that they're bringing a lot of money to the economy because then like most these guys are using the place as a second home so then they're like they're still using their, their home state where they came from as their address, you know, and this is like their, their rental, this is their investment property that they live in while they do all this, because realistically they're not selling to people in Hawaii. They're, they're being picked up from these high density population areas because they have their own lead list. And so then it's like, how do we upgrade someone with a lead list that we can turn into more money?
1: Yeah, no, that I mean that's a great point. And, and and I do I do know some people who do have their place still in Vegas and their place, you know, still wherever they were came from before. I also know a lot of people who've been out here for about as many years as I have, which is um, over twenty now. Who've been in the timeshare industry for most of that and they just bounce and, you know, bounce back and forth from one building to another and they do well at one and then leave one for once their sales go down, they get cut and they move to another spot. They spend money. The good thing is a lot of those people spend money. So that's nice. But again, these are, you know, sales, the, the position, if I'm not mistaken, the, the, the job of being a salesperson is the highest paid profession in the world more than any other position. On average, salespeople make more money than anybody else. I I believe that's correct. I've heard
0: that. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a job with the least amount of skill required because I mean, sales is really just selling yourself. So as long as either you're A, likable, uh, B, uh able to make people like you through either uh, their affluence influence or uh sins of the flesh then i mean it just it it has has nothing to do with like a apex level of intelligence it really just has to do with you know enough power of suggestion
1: or sins of the flesh but you're right <laughs> sins of the flesh that's that's the i i don't know that sounds like a late night cinemax movie um no, you're right, man. You're right, and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I—I got—I uh, went down a rabbit hole with this, but you know, it's just—it's so hard to break down exactly why. Bring it back to the teachers, and bring it back to what you're talking about, and the local economy, the local residents here trying to find a job to be able to live off of, and not have to find a job plus one plus two, whatever it is. Uh, it's They're just not there it's just you can't do it a double income house can probably pull it off if two people have two solid jobs with you know uh, medical benefits good medical coverage can probably pull it off but they're not going to go far i mean they're not going to build up a huge amount of savings right now they're not going to buy a house definitely not going to buy a house so so that's yeah, but that's the thing is, how do you, and and it's not, so it's no longer unique to Hawaii even. Like California started running this problem in a lot of their city areas. When I lived in Santa Barbara about 20, almost 25 years ago, they ran into that problem specifically in Santa Barbara because it became so expensive that the labor force couldn't live there and there was nowhere else to live within 45 minutes. It oh, was yeah. affordable, so everybody had to drive in to get there, right?
0: Well, that's all of California. I mean, everybody. <laughs> your average Californian lives like eleven to eighteen miles away from their job, right? Like it's it's so standard out here. I mean, it's so like growing up in California. Like I got used to super commuting. Like I I was I was a part of a whole contingent of people that worked for Disney commuted from North San Diego all the way to Anaheim and sometimes to Burbank.
1: Was that on the uh, Amtrak? Is, did you do the Amtrak up?
0: No, that was in a Mustang going up and down the freeway because that was the only <laughs> way <out laughs> on time. Straight up the 405? Uh, no, the 5.
1: Oh, the 5, the, just the 5. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, all right.
1: there's
0: all no right. point of ever taking the 405 during commuter hours. That's just I like, was going
1: to say, that's, that's nuts. That's, you'd still be there.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Like the four hundred five is like, especially on a bad day, that's like being like on a freeway in China. Like you just like start writing a letter to your wife and kids because you ain't coming home.
1: <laughs> oh, that's nuts. That's nuts. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what the answers are. I don't know how how it will will or can ever happen. But I mean, there there has to be a wake up call across the board, not i mean I, i'd love to see it in, in hawaii first i want hawaii to figure it out um but across the board is to get back to that old nuclear you know i mean i don't know nuclear family whatever you want to call it but that old theory of like you have a job and that job can sustain a family that stuff that that job can cover the cost of living and that's well, what it should know, be we should we I, shouldn't I be
0: the sad part is, is nobody disagrees with that notion, but then there's that, like, shitty, like, people eating other people alive problem of why does somebody get more than me? So then, like, there, then that weird thing of just, like, the poor people, instead of, like, the poor eating the rich, we've now reached the generation where the poor eat the poor.
1: Oh, no, there's, there's, there's definitely a competitive, an economic competitiveness in every class of people right now it's it's just it's constantly in a, in social media i think fuels it reality tv fuels it um the idea that that we can see anybody and everybody you know around the world pretty much at any time but the second we see somebody who has something that we don't have we don't admire them for what they've accomplished what they've got we're instantly jealous and wondering how we can get what they have and yeah. not that we want what they have also but we just as soon take it out of their hands and give it to ourselves if that's what it takes Mm -hmm. and that's and that there is that that level of greed and selfishness that that is endemic in our i think in our society specifically but that that perspective really needs to change
0: space world where many people are too busy to sit down and read books or news articles but thanks to newsly you can now listen to the news you wish you had the time to read by utilizing AI technology a natural human voice reads you the news helping you grasp the information faster and more efficiently newsly provides the latest news updates 24 7 letting you browse articles from topics you choose it even has podcasts including ours And listeners of Rabbit Holes can get their first thirty days of premium for free, allowing you to enjoy an ad-free experience by using the special promo code in our episode description. So download Newsly today for free on iOS and Android, or visit www.newsly.me so you can stay updated on the things that matter to you. Moving forward. Well, or more specifically, on Lanai right now, because you got uh, Larry Ellison over there uh, planning to make his little tourism empire.
1: Oh yeah! Again, taking what you can because you can. He he bought it. He paid for it. The people sold it. Well, and, now and, it's his. Yes
0: and no, and like I just <laughs> like because as per usual, like. Land grabs like this, because I, you know, I'm gonna call a a a duck a duck on this one because it is a land grab. I mean, it's. It I mean, how many <laughs> how many people have been trying to put in applications? I mean, I was talking with with uh, Darius Kila, you know, and he brought up like how many people are waiting for a water permit. They can't get a water permit, you know. And then how yeah. many like housing developers come in and land slap down. Like an application for a water permit, and then it's just there, you know. There's just a lot of crony rubber stamping going on, and I mean, Allison, and nothing new with this guy, you know, and nothing new with with guys of this type. It's just I think they're getting far more bold now. You know, they're just they're just like putting it all out on the table, and they don't care who's looking anymore because we've now reached a day and age where you can just gaslight people into doing whatever you want to do now and not even you know like no nobody's really like everybody's beaten down enough to where nobody wants to stand
1: up yeah uh, i mean it's gaslight it's gaslighting and it's palm greasy but it's basically like what's it going to take to let me get what i want mm-hmm. and if that doesn't happen then everything else is is thrown at them until it until it it does happen but you know, I mean, it used to be you could just slip a twenty at the door at the Copacabana you get a front seat. but you know that you know that kind of just like tipping the guy at the door to get in, that's brought to a whole new level now where, like you said, hey, I don't care about those little you know peons over there with their one house that they need water rights to build on. I'm gonna build this huge development, and I need it first. And so here's more money. and so. You know, yeah, they've been waiting for six months, but I need it tomorrow, and it happens, and they make it happen. Mm. So, so how? Okay, so here's a, here's a question. So, how does the local government in Hawaii start to put more focus and more attention onto the priorities of people who live here in Hawaii, and more specifically? the kanaka how do they how do like okay look for instance why don't you get rid of certain taxes for kanaka why do you get rid of property there tax? Are, there are
0: things like that going into place i mean they, they've got the uh they're they're uh they're trying to do their best to alleviate uh kapuna taxes or to at least freeze
1: kapuna taxes they're, i saw you- that and that's huge yeah that's huge a
0: lot of effort in trying to renegotiate where uh, long-term rentals and even the hotel industry sits in the tax law, because there's a lot of things that they're, they're reaping nearly the same benefits as a resident when they're obviously like, you know, they're, they're making so much off of that property. And there's no cream really being given back. But I mean, we're we're also in a day and age where people don't believe in taxes. You know, even the little guy defends the corporation, which is silly because like the corporations are all on welfare. You know, this is the largest era of corporate welfare. Like they're sucking down more government cheese than your average person to person. And in 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 the same way that the working class is eating each other alive, they're Immediately defending the the figure that's gaslighting them, and knowingly slash unaware going on going along with with the fact that they get bailed out, and it's known how much they get bailed out because I mean there's usually enough coverage of it to go, hey, we bailed out GM, and everybody knows, oh yeah, had to bail out the the automotive industry. But then how quickly people turn away from that? But no, man, it's it's.
1: I'm glad to see, I'm glad to see the Kapuna, you know, programs going in. I'm glad to see things like that because, I mean, I I really, I look at Hawaii as, you know, there there are people who have generations and generations of family who've lived here who created Hawaii for what it is and it's become this, you know, very exploited, you know, it's basically become a different Hawaii than what it was, right? and obviously it's going to happen for certain reasons, but the identity of what Hawaii is, is very much a brand now to people who are coming in here as tourists uh, much more so than it is a lifestyle or a home or even even a spiritual connection that most people have here uh, who are born here, raised here, and whose families have generations uh, here. And I look at it in the sense of we've come in and i include myself in this because as i said i've only been here for about 20 years i i don't have roots in hawaii um we've come here we've we've put ourselves in your home right and i don't believe that i should have as many rights to this home in the sense of financial obligations and in in a lot of ways and I think that people need to have a deeper respect for the people whose home we've come and stepped into. Just like you take your your shoes off at the door when you go to somebody's house, if that's their rule, you do that, right? When I come into your house, your island, I need to follow your game plan and not create my own and then make you do to my whim, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think things like that need to, I, I just think that caring consideration needs to be much more present in a lot of the uh, the conversations and legislation that goes on from here.
0: Agreed. You know, I, I think that yeah, a little more self-awareness is good. You know, I don't think really we're asking for too much, but I, I think that there's also like a lot of it gets lost because the second that the conversation comes out, like, they feel they're being attacked, you know, but then it's like, (laughs) even when they're not being actually like verbally attacked with it and they're just being told in a rational manner, there seems to be, you know, a lot of pushback. And then we're, we're definitely reaching more of a, uh, a very strong Rachel Dolezal era in Hawaii. You know, I mean, more and more we're, we're hearing these conversations about, you know, just people claiming, hawaiian or kanaka and then you know they they move in and a week later they just it is what it is or they take a piece of it back to the mainland and they're like yeah there's no such real thing as a hawaiian so i can be a hawaiian now you know i mean i mm-hmm. i got into some of the weirdest conversations with people across the continent like and we would talk and they you know they're like oh so you know what you know what, what's your heritage whatever i'm like i'm hawaiian they're like oh well that's that's just a state you're you're not hawaiian
1: Where were you born that's just it's a state of mind man
0: yeah and so (laughs) just like i and and that's where like i think a lot of that 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 nativism that american nativism comes from is that ignorance of just like this is all colonized so there was nothing here before so you just have to deal with it you know like i i i've kind of reached this point where i'm i am i am no longer bothered by people being bothered by my like militant Hawaiianness. so when someone has to you know bring up like all their nativist woes and then be like bro have you like even even opened a history book like you've got nothing to complain about and you're actually the oppressor in this matter but I, I don't think many people want to hear that they're the bad guy. I mean, but again, you know, America has been on a long road of reparation and whether it was the generation that caused it or the 10th generation that's inherited it, I mean, the standard American policy is, it's not my fault. So what do you want?
1: Right. That is the general default, right? That is absolutely the general default. I think, I mean, I, there, there's a huge... Multifaceted conversation to to get to the core i think of of any solutions for the broad thing but i think what you're talking about in a lot of ways that i that the thing that i've been thinking about a lot is is the the new hawaii identity in the eyes of people from the united states or people from the around the world when i say the new identity meaning it is just a tourist destination. I see it as Disney 2.0. It's, it, people just look at it like, we got here. We just got off the tram. I'm going to go walk on the first ride, which is the beach. I'm going to walk on my next ride, which is a first restaurant. I see, you know, me a Mai Tai. They look at it as a commodity, and they don't look at it as a place that's very sacred to <laughs> a lot of people. And it's, it's it's that exclusion of the reverence for the land and the people that continues to give the misconception to the tourists and the mainlanders who want to be a part of it and buy a part of it. Where they say, but it's just part of America, I can buy it, and it's just as much my Hawaii as it is yours. And that's where I think their misconception is, is anything is for sale.
0: Yeah, it's the whole "this land was made for you and me" indoctrination crap. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's all those propaganda folk songs made by America to make you feel like God appointed you controller of this land, and it is at your whim to do as you like with American soil. Never mind. What yeah, I mean. no,
1: it's it's very much the manifest destiny. It, it's it, it's just become a part of the American dream as well, right? And and it's it's now reached beyond sort of that christian movement of you know or the the early religious movement into the new world right it's moved away from that and now it's it's much bigger and broader than that because it's not just backed by faith it's now backed by dollars mm. and there's a right now dollar is a lot more mighty than than any faith to most people out here and they'll find a way to buy it especially if it means that they can back it with their dollar and their faith couple those two things together and people think that they can do whatever they want oh
0: yeah oh yeah well i mean i i, I i've kind of found that it doesn't really take much for uh americans to think they can do whatever they want <laughs>
2: Get help. It's never your fault. It doesn't matter what you were wearing, what you were drinking, or what you agreed to in the past. Sexual assault is never your fault. Support is available 24/7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call one eight hundred six five six HOPE or visit rain.org. That's R A I N N dot O R G. Remember, it's not your fault.
0: so for the last little bit today we're gonna we're gonna start disappearing into all the fun things and then maybe maybe just maybe i'll be in a happy enough place to just give up like news and politics for for one whole day (laughs) (laughs) good luck with that yeah which will technically be for a week but good luck with that no you know what i i also think that i'll probably just because there's there's quite a few cases where i mean this is next week's episode definitely calls for a, a taping it early so i probably uh you know take advantage of that and probably have a few drinks on the show just to like <laughs> listen up and kind of being a a different happier place i don't know it's just um i i gotta say uh i am i'm very thankful for how much uh sarah tolerates of uh of stuff that she's <laughs> not into and then and then being a part of this show so i definitely like next week i want i want to be able to spend more time on on the on the brighter side of life you know we'll, we'll uh we'll put uh a lot of these thoughts to bed for a week or two and uh you know i mean but we also can't like throw away the whole episode of just pop culture so i don't know i mean we'll think of some fun things for next week um
1: I, I love the pop culture stuff, but uh, but you know I, I'm happy to take on the 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 weight of this conversation and let Sarah uh, <laughs> you know stay stay in that, the I think the that softer room be uh,
0: a regular thing, Jonathan. You know, maybe I'm just gonna have to like you know every time she calls a mental health episode, it's the one right before. Then I go, Jonathan, I need you on next week, so that way I can vent all this shit out, and then that way next week, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's good because I'm learning. I'm learning how to tee up the hot buttons for you. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm working on it. <laughs>
0: working on it. Well, uh, have have you been working on watching anything new lately?
1: You know what? I just watched a bunch of movies the last uh, week or so, and uh, wife and I finally got back in the uh, movie watching mode. So we. Uh, the the last movie that i watched that i love was everything everywhere all at once which i highly recommend have you seen that yet
0: i actually haven't sat down to watch it yet
1: michelle Yeoh is insane and everybody and is great and i'm blanking on the actress name right now but it's the actor who played um um the gadget guy in Goonies and uh, was it short round in uh, Indiana Jones? Yeah. Um,
0: and he recently appeared in finding Ohana.
1: And he recently appeared in finding Ohana. What, uh, what's the actor's name? Dang it. I feel so bad. I'm blanking on it. Uh, he was amazing though. I mean, he was so, I was just so great to, it's just great to see actors, whether you've kn- known them from other projects before or not. But just actors who show up on the screen who just blow you away, you know who just are just like no, they're awesome, they're perfect, you know, so that was that that I love that movie that was great um yeah man we 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 went on terror um shows i would I would definitely say um, uh, 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 what's uh te uh Vaj- uh pirate movie uh pirate show, sorry um Oh my brain just crashed. I, I think you just crashed my brain with this last conversation. Yeah, our flag means means uh genius show. Hilarious. That was good. Yeah, we did uh
0: we we reviewed that a couple weeks ago when when it mm-hmm. finished. I'm stoked that they are greenlit for season 2, which is no surprise to me. So, they, Taika did uh, announce recently on his Instagram that
1: uh season two's on its way. Nice
0: yep yep yep, very
1: nice, yeah, what about you what do you what have you been watching i i' i and I haven't watched the new obi wan Kenobi yet, but I'm dying to oh
0: I'll get to that in a second, you know, I think you know uh, something that i'm I'm starting to do is is cataloging all of the kids shows that I watch with the fam and then like which ones sh- are are worthy enough to bring up on the show because like finding something good to watch with your kids is kind of hard these days. Like it's it's either the quality's really low because like those films don't really invest in in a scale of quality because they're like, oh it's kids. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You can do cheap tricks and they'll love it. Which yep. is probably not the case with twenty first century kids because like there's so much more into highbrow humor. There's so much more into cerebral stuff, you know. So it's like I, I find that like the older generation of Hollywood is really discounting this next generation of kids because they're so unnecessarily smart to the point to where like they're over aware of everything and they're just gonna be an even snarkier MTV generation.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. My well, my daughter just watched her favorite movie. My daughter is uh, sixteen. Uh, one of her favorite movies, Napoleon Dynamite. She put that back on the other day. Um, but for kids, kids, if it's not Pixar, you know, if it's not Disney, then there aren't many other players who are hitting that family note that that consistently and that well.
0: Oh yeah, that's why a lot of it's just like straight to streaming junk television or just like really poorly put together Christian programming. You know, um, I will have to say though, uh, my vote. Continues to go to uh, the new Green Eggs and Ham series. I didn't know that they could pull off season two the way that they were going to. I just I just wrapped watching season two. Season one was pretty cool because I was like, how do you get like twelve episodes out of you know a book like that? But then like mm-hmm. they plan to like what's going on in their lives and why he likes green eggs and ham and then like you know how old is he and like what does he do and then the second season turns into this whole spy epic so it's like it's the same show but now it's like new intro and then like there's a whole new problem because we're not worried about the the getting the eggs or the ham anymore trying to convince the guy to eat them it's like now sam Turns out he was abandoned when he was a baby because his mom is a spy. And then they go into this whole way of relating other Seussian tales in via the Green Eggs and Ham story. And uh, season two is literally North Korea, South Korea done as a Dr. Seuss spy epic. What? Yeah. So you have the yukes and the zooks and, 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 and butter side up versus butter side down toast and how you're supposed to eat it. And like the propaganda campaigns against each other and everything. And it's, it's genius. And, uh, man, you know, I mean, it's got, it's got the dude from workaholics, Adam divine, right. He's also on the righteous gemstones, but he's yeah, work- yeah. as Sam. I am, uh, and then Michael Douglas, as guy am I. And then and then it's it's narrated by Keegan Michael Key. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So like it's it's solid all the way around. Uh, you know, it's I gotta say that it, it is it is a lot smarter than I thought it would be. but I mean Dr. Seuss is always pretty smart material, you know. Even mm-hmm. even when it seems like it's it's lighthearted material, there's always something else in there. But yeah green eggs in him, man like who'd have thought that you could get two seasons of a show and it totally feels like there's going to be a season three so like i never really thought like i haven't been this excited about a kids show in general since since teen titans go came out and then like and then once i finally like gave in and watched like flapjack and gumball but like i i think i'm, I'm really gonna try to make it a point to uh review more uh more all ages animated stuff, at least uh, every once in a while, and give my thumbs up a thumbs down. But uh, Green Eggs and Ham, uh, thumbs up for the kids, a thumbs up for the parents. So two thumbs up across the board on that one. But you know, you did bring up yeah, I have been watching Obi Wan. Uh, I I am up to date on it, and uh, you know I'm not gonna spoil too much. Uh, I'm gonna kind of wait until uh, you know the whole season's out then that's kind of like my territory of like, okay, it's all bingeable now. Like, no excuses anymore. I'm going to spoil the hell out of this. But um, for what I do have to say is I like the fact that it is shot to look grittier and older in film quality. So it really does feel like it would be from the 70s. It has that nice... okay. Um... It yeah like I I could swear in the last episode that one of the ships was a miniature and not just an overlay, um, like so they're really going out of their way in some cases to really push like how how the show is shot in comparison to A New Hope, and so yeah. like the way that like I mean he doesn't even really get a real lightsaber battle until this newest episode, you know I feel I've already said too much there.
1: But like No, no, I, I heard somebody else saying that, that he, he, he gets into fist fights more than he does use a, a his lightsaber. He does.
0: Oh. He's in a fist fight for the first couple episodes because we're I mean, we're we're dealing with the fact that he hasn't used the force in ten years.
1: Yeah, it's like riding a bike.
0: Yeah. It's like, but, it's like
1: riding a speed bike.
0: Yeah, but you you, you see how <laughs> it slowly starts to come back. He does test his 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 uh you know his force strength and then he does have some inspiration to uh be a badass every once in a while i feel it's kind of like this it's it's a very ronin samurai story you know so he's just he's trying to find his footing again how does he believe in the force without you know believing they
1: did did the man they did the man with no name kind of vibe with um boba fett right yep so so that that makes sense that they go with the ronin uh style for obi-wan so that's cool i'm down with that yep and then uh yeah the, i mean
0: i gotta say that and then the other thing that i think that's really helping it in quality and consistency is it's deborah chow across the board as opposed to mando and boba fett where it's like oh a couple episodes by this guy a couple episodes directed by that guy like mm-hmm. it really it seems like chow's got the whole thing on lockdown and that like i'm sorry but like you know girls got it so like don't hand that to anybody else like get like give her a few of these and i can't wait to see what what some of these other like one shots and and side series i mean because they they announced like a whole like 11 piece slate for for like the next like star wars live action and animated things that are coming out on disney plus like and, and somewhere at the end of that tyka has got his own Star Wars joint that's just it's just labeled Untitled Taika Waititi Star Wars Project.
1: <laughs> well, I I would dig it if they would just do like a Love Death and Robots, but with Star Wars, uh, you know, just just lore, you know, just use Star Wars lore and just do Love Death and Robots, do something crazy where you're like you got all these different directors and they do whatever the hell they want, almost like a heavy metal kind of thing where it's like, you know, you could do a through line, um, or you can just you know everybody pick a little section from their you know from from what they like in the lore and uh and do a little 15 to 20 minute you know short on on something like i would love that
0: i think it'd be cool i think uh, yeah. you know but i think with with the way that like the whole disney plus streaming universe is going i think we're 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 on our way to that already like it's easily going to be like i mean if they're if they're slating as many as they are right now, you can only imagine what their follow-up period is going to be like. Because, I mean, this is, this is them essentially like establishing the Star Wars version of the MCU. Like, it, it, up oh, to I th- know what,
1: I what th- it's going to lead to. You know, you know, what's, you know what that's going to lead to? Huh. Disney Star Wars Plus, a new streaming channel. Yeah, so Disney if you Star want all the Star Wars, Wars stuff, stuff, you're going to have to get another streaming channel.
0: It, it'll be a streaming channel inside of the streaming channel.
1: Yeah, so you get the Disney, but if you want the e-ticket, yeah, to exactly. get the Star Wars oh stuff, <laughs>
0: I'm calling it right now, they're just gonna have
1: they'll have De- they Disney like regular Disney where you get like the old school Disney stuff, and you get like you know Benji and and things like that, and then you have like you know the the c-ticket rides where maybe you'll get some older Pixar stuff, whatever, and you have the e-ticket where you get everything.
0: I nobody like. Leading with Benji is just not like I. You know what I gotta say that that <laughs> just doesn't like live up some of the, its memory. Like I, I liked it when I was a kid, but then I didn't realize that like maybe I was just watching it because it was the only thing on. Because like probably Benji, probably. Benji <laughs> slow and dry. Like yeah,
1: I have I haven't seen it since I was uh I don't know eight maybe so eighty maybe nineteen eighty. And then they tried to bring it back. There was the that
0: Benji Netflix movie, and it's. I mean, they tried to spice it up a little bit, but it just turned into a lassie clone at that point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's but. that's really about the only. It's just like if you're gonna if you're gonna do a film about a, a horse, that it's gonna just turn into uh, Black Sound and Black Beauty. It's gonna be some kind of mix of that. You can't. You just yeah. Um. They they don't they yeah. Otherwise, you have to go animated.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know what else I've been watching is The Boys on Amazon Prime. Oh, how is that? Uh, have you have you watched any of it, any of the first season No.
1: Oh, okay. No, I haven't.
0: Um, so there's a new season out, and then on top of it, there was a little animated in-betweener where they did a little anthology um, some of that stuff's gonna actually like be in in the the new season universe, but um, you know, no spoilers because you you haven't seen any of it. Um,
1: it's it's, it's, just, pretty it's graphic. too much stuff. I can't watch that stuff. Yeah, it's uh,
0: it's pretty graphic. Okay, but, I heard that. Uh, yeah, so just really, you gotta. Well, yeah, you hear that, but then you don't realize like. How graphic! Like you got to put yourself in a mindset of Watchmen, and then and then be prepared for like Watchmen plus unnecessary shock value. But oh, like, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Kind of reaches a point, especially because of like, uh, like where it's at now in the series. Like, there's the only way to go from here is either weirder or darker.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to dive in that. Oh. Oh, I, I will throw this out there since we're talking about new shows and shows to watch, and kids do not do what I did. Um, my daughter and her friends, all all teenagers uh, between fifteen and seventeen, were enjoying uh, ramen in the living room as I or in the dining room as I was watching the new uh, new Kids in the Hall uh, show because I loved that oh, show. That was great i love it that was you a know, brilliant show old man i did not realize there is there is old man penai yep uh yep. <laughs> and so i became that dad who was watching a, a show with full frontal male nudity uh, just full frontal nudity in general but full frontal male nudity with uh with four young ladies in the room at the same time um so i have to go knocking on doors now um in the neighborhood um you know i got to serve some time uh no it's 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 funny if you like new kids or if you like uh, kids in the hall but uh, the new show is uh, very vulgar so don't watch it with your kids
0: yeah no i i could definitely agree with that i've uh, i've watched most of uh, the new season uh i uh i i do like the fact that like it's uh there's a lot of classic elements that show up so they they are pandering to uh the og fans and mm-hmm. there is um I, I gotta say that the roughest the roughest sketch for me so far was the uh the dj at the end of the world because like how many times can you listen to brand new
1: key by melanie <laughs> <laughs> well you know you, got, you gotta pick a song <laughs>
0: uh yeah, no but like uh i i'm still waiting for my my dad's two cents on on the new uh kids in the hall uh he said he's gonna watch it eventually i and i i still haven't finished the whole season i'll probably get around to it but like i i'm digging it like yeah it, no I'm,
1: I'm gonna i i only got i only got that first uh episode so i i've got some catching up in since um i just have my boy here and he'll probably be gaming in his room i'll probably get a chance to power through some more episodes tonight so um i do i do dig that the crew is back together and that they're doing some stuff and it feels very much like their old school stuff which i love so that's that's a good thing
0: okay jonathan so before you go we need to talk flat earth
1: oh Which end are we going to step off into?
0: Uh, You know, I mean, really, like, I've spent the last few weeks talking with the listeners about, like, you know, all the obvious stuff of, like, this is why the (laughs) earth is round. But I feel like at this point, I'm kind of just, like, I'm stating so much of the obvious. And really now, because, like, it's only a couple weeks away, like, I'm kind of just trying to prepare myself for, like... Smiling and nodding a lot because I find that that's really like the only way to really get through with it with people like this. Because like I don't think there's going to be much I could say or construct to change this guy's mind. He's he's got this whole media machine behind him now, and he's like trying to like sell this onto every podcast he can. So it's just like I'm I'm very well aware he's trying to use me you know, to get to, to get to our audience. But I, I think that like, it has to be done. Like I have to be able to do it in a way that it's an instructional. Well, isn't that nice, you know, but like, <laughs> obviously you're a moron. Let's just pat you on the head and then send you on your way. But like, you know, in that, bless context, your heart, yeah, bless your heart for trying, you know? And so, I mean, I just, I, I want to keep, like, I, 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 I I, and I, I grumble about this now because I feel that if I could get enough of it out of my system, I won't be actively, you know, aggro at him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time I have to get enough out of my system to not want to just laugh
1: at him. Yeah, no, here's okay. My understanding is that there are a lot of flat earthers, quote unquote flat earthers who actually know that they're wrong but they still just it's almost like larping or something it's like it's like they're just going to role play this character of a person who believes that the earth is flat but they know that they're wrong but they just go along with it because it gets them attention and it's fun conversation and they can just totally live that character like i like at least i mean i i've heard some people say that but at the same time i i honestly i have to believe that that's what these people believe oh, if not
0: no it's i mean a lot of the 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 reporting and stats that i've seen from people who like dove down this rabbit hole of flat earthers is that like most of these people genuinely believe
1: it because they a lot genuinely of- believe that the earth is flat
0: well because the tie-in is that a lot of these people are religious nuts. And then that's, that's where the tie-in is, is that, like, in a lot of cases, the flat earthers use the phrase firmament in explaining why the earth is flat. Because they take a King James translation of the Bible... And in in the reference of creating the landmass that is Earth, in the King James version, it calls it firmament.
1: So
2: then, yeah,
1: but firmament does not mean flat. Flat.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and then the other thing is it it's colloquially firmament per the King James version. So then, like in other ways of referring to it depending on the translation it just means land
1: yeah well i'm looking at the wikipedia uh explanation right now and it says in biblical cosmology the firmament is the vast solid dome created by god on the second day of his creation of the world to divide the primal sea into upper and lower portions so the dry land could uh, could appear so, so
0: the atmosphere and, and and then the clouds and then the free air open space and that you know so like it's the ozone layer and, and yeah. that but then they take that and they go oh it must be a dome dome because then like all the pictogram explanations because
1: <laughs> I see okay I see what you're talking about I see what they're seeing <laughs>
0: Yeah, I got. I got to be able to stop myself from wanting to laugh at it, like you are right now. Like, I mean, so,
1: so all we are, all we are, is a freaking snow globe sitting on God's shelf that He can just shake every once in a while and have a little bit of fun. According to the images here,
0: yeah, per 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 the yeah the design in their heads,
1: yeah, that design or. Or we're, we're like an ant farm.
0: Yeah. Well.
1: <laughs> or maybe or or maybe we're in Poly Shore's biodome.
0: No, don't don't say that. Don't I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. I would <laughs> rather I would <laughs> rather believe the Earth is flat than let another Poly Shore Biodome movie happen. <laughs> on! but if i had to prevent the world from like going stupid like if like if there was a god and he came down from the sky he's like but kibiks if you just let this poly shore movie happen like we'll end world hunger and maybe get rid of some of like the crazy nut jobs you know and i'm like okay let it happen but <laughs> Dude, if that
1: happened i'd say make it a trilogy
0: yeah, no, if it <laughs> saves the world, I guess, but like Yeah.
1: Make it a trilogy and I will go see every single one on the first day, the opening night, because I'll be the only ticket bought. But um actually that's not true. There are there are some secret just as there are flat earthers, there are some secret Polyshore shore uh Bio-Dome fans.
0: <laughs> I, I think I think most people are like I think that's the case where people are ironically doing it. Like flat earthers <laughs> like most of these guys i really believe that they're just like on the kool-aid but then i think poly shore fans that's 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 a class of people that are just pretending on the day or just really stoned and they don't realize what they're watching
1: i'm just falling into this image that i'm looking at here of the firmament of genesis 1 and I, i love that there's a primeval ocean and there's the pillars of earth but the pillars of, of Earth are below the Underworld. Which the Underworld sits just below Earth. I mean, this is like some... This is like some, uh, some Tolkien shit.
0: Well, I mean, what do you expect of a lower evolved race of people at that time? I mean, we weren't in the high caliber thought. And then you also got to remember that your average person didn't leave a 20 mile radius of their home, if that ever. So, like nobody saw the world half of everything in town was made up unless you were like a gypsy trader or like a naval captain, like, you didn't see the world. You lived in your little town of slop, in your own personal hell, and you dreamt of bigger things. Like, not everything is, like, some, like, d and adventure as it is in the movies where it's like, oh, we're going to Winterstorm today. Hope it doesn't take six years to do so, you know? And then, like, three seasons later, they're still on their way, you know? But, like, in ye old real life, like, it was, you're born, you farm, you shit, you die, you know. So, so like you know the the whole idea of like it, it, like I feel that like where where religion causes a lot of trouble in things like this with flat earth theory is that like it's like this whole music man thing. It's just you have one person who just starts the silly idea and the next thing you know it, everybody's on for the ride of their life. And I think that's where like a lot of these weird like fundamental beliefs and conspiracy theories come from is like you have
1: people who need to feel special. Yeah, you have somebody powerful. You have somebody who's persuasive. Yeah, I got you, but you know, I I I'm also thinking that, you know if this is i mean and again i'm just looking at this image of the flat earth with the firmament around it and all this stuff and, and all i'm thinking of is the allegory of the cave and and i'm thinking these people need to be pulled outside of that firmament and, yes. and and exposed to to the sunlight and not just the the light of the fire putting shadows up on the wall
0: well you know i it's, well they they don't believe the sun's real so i don't know how that'll work
1: they don't believe the sun's real?:
0: No, they don't. They, they believe the sun's like a light that's the that directionally shines like it 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 sits above the flat earth instead of us rotating around the sun.
1: So it is the allegory of the cave. Yeah, it is just a one directional light just casting images for our entertainment and and oh man, these guys. And girls, but mostly guys, it's <laughs>
0: funny. but yeah, so it is
1: mostly it is mostly dudes, too, isn't it?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, it's a lot of neck beards, it's not it's a lot of neck beards and the anonymous section of Reddit.
1: I just like the dude who tried to like launch himself up in a rocket to prove that the earth was flat.
0: that guy like nearly killed himself,
1: yeah, and he proved himself wrong. Yet he still said that he was right that Earth is flat, but well, because then, he didn't launch as high as he should have, and that happens every
0: time. Like, I, I, but again, it's just like the January sixth thing. Like they just they moved the goalposts. They're like, oh well, <laughs> this proved me wrong, but I've got this, and that'll <laughs> prove that I wasn't wrong after all. Oh my gosh. But I think we proved we could get lost for uh, for more than an hour today. <laughs> and you know what? I think that's actually all the time we've got today. Thank you, Jonathan, uh, for coming on, man. And uh, yeah. with me, uh, we've got uh, a talk story interview after this with... Uh, musician and uh former oha trustee peter Apo. great conversation uh talking about everything from oha to the tmt and all points in between of hawaii kanakas uh and everybody in the islands uh we we definitely go into uh into some deep places and even play devil's advocate on some things you know i definitely want to be clear that like I am anti-TMT, but there are quite a few things that, like I as a person, have to have to judge if I'm going to be a part of things, and so I do cover that with with Peter when we talk, and uh, and, I, and I think it's actually a really great conversation we ended up having. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm
1: looking forward to it. That, that sounds yeah. like good...
0: But I mean, ultimately, my thing to think about is like you know. Why, why, why do we even need to build the damn thing when we could be putting it in space? Like, why don't we just open up like a moon base and put a and put a thirty meter telescope on the dark
1: side of the moon? You know, because the Earth's flat and there's no moon.
0: Damn it, damn it! See, look at you, look at you, and your perfect logic, Jonathan.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Move from that goalpost.
0: <laughs> well, thanks again, bud.
1: Yes, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: All right, man, you have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. Aloha.
1: Aloha.
2: The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention reminds you to take care of your mental health in the face of uncertainty. One, focus on what is in your control versus what is not. Two, do what helps you feel a sense of safety. Three, remind yourself to stay in the present. Four, stay connected with others. You can reach the crisis text line by texting TALK to 741 741 or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1 800 273 TALK. We're in this together, and help is always available.
0: Oh, Peter.
3: Hey, Kamika. How's it? Hey,
0: all right. I was just listening to one of your uh, podcasts. Oh, right on. <laughs> well, that's... I
3: I wanted to see what your style
0: was. Oh, right on, right on. Well, it's, there's two different styles. There's there's serious when talking to political candidates, and then there's uh, Don and I fought less on Sunday, so, you know. <laughs> I try to keep them as separate as possible. You know, my pops, he was that kind of guy too. So, like, I, I take after him in that sense. So, I. I, <laughs> you're, I
3: a, you're a global citizen. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, my goodness.
0: Right. I'm yeah, right. well,
3: thank you for the invite.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you took it. You know, like, I i mean, I, I mass emailed everybody that was on the uh, Office of Elections filing. And I was just like, well, you know, let's see who, who bites, see who might actually, you know, and then, you know, and then the fact that, you know, you'd still want to come on and talk story, even though you're not running, which is really great, because, uh, you know, outside opinions, uh, I really dig it right now, especially since I, I want to try to give, you know, as many different viewpoints in this election as possible.
3: Sure, yeah. Well, you know, let, let me just uh, I'll let you know this. The reason I'm not running is because... What I, my ambition, well, first of all, you know, I've been three terms already at OHA. I've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. So, my ambition at OHA cannot be achieved for OHA on behalf of, you know, people that I represent. Cannot be accomplished by being inside the organization.
0: Um, you know, interesting it's, you say that. Because, you know, as I was, you know, looking at your career, I kind of yeah. noticed that as, like as like a little subtext for your pivoting. Because when I noticed when you pivot, it was usually at a point to where it seemed like, you know, someone is as you, you might like, you catch enough information and then go, oh, you know, I don't really need to be here to fix this. I should be over here to fix this. But now I've got the Manao from the inside to take back.
3: Yeah, it's too difficult inside because, you know, any organization, not just OHA, they they have an operating culture. So if what, if what you're trying to do accomplish within the organization, uh, tends to run against the grain of, uh, the, when I say operating culture, I'm not just talking about issues. I'm talking about the way the organization is set up to receive, you know, ideas and to, to process, uh. Uh, dialogue and all of that mm-hmm. and and in, from my perspective and the way i like you know i feel most comfortable and most useful upgrading uh, i i did everything i could in the three terms that are, are already served within the organization i just felt it was time for me to to uh so i'm not it's not like i'm turning away from Oha. in fact i'm going to get more involved just not from inside the organization. Uh, and in a good way hopefully in a very positive way so that's the reason that I had at the last minute and unfortunately I had already bought a half page ad in uh, in the uh, May issue so that went all over to <laughs> that place uh, so you know there was no way to do a retraction then. Uh, but uh, yeah so I was a little uh, a little misstep there by announcing but uh, hopefully everybody knows now, at least those that we're following, that I'm not a candidate. Mm-hmm. So. So. But, uh, I mean, we, you know, I'll, you're the host. Talk about anything you want to talk about. It uh, doesn't have to be OHA.
0: Dig it. Well, you know, while we're on the subject of OHA, I think, I think we'll, we'll start with OHA and we'll then sure. just let it slide to where it naturally goes. We just find our way, talk story a little bit here. Yeah. Um. You know, on the subject of OHA, you know, less from a, like, the functioning of the inside point, uh, I I recently found out that, like, how little people engage with OHA on the ballot. Yeah. And, like, even for people who do vote and then leave it blank because, oh, not my problem, not my thing, you know.
3: Exactly. Exactly. That... That I think largely is a, a consequence that in my opinion, Oha has not really over the years, and this is not for any, any particular group of trustees, made it enough of a priority to function like a real government, to reach out to every sector in Hawaii in a serious way. Uh, as an example, I was just kinda stunned for a long time as to how long we never engaged uh Bishop Street. Mm. Hey, it's a five hundred six hundred million dollar corporation. You don't talk to Bishop Street? There's something wrong with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Being engaged in the financial community of Hawaii in all these other organizations that we need to be we need to be uh be reaching out to and, and, and talking to. I mean, you know. Hawaii law, Kuliki Kako, all Hawaii stand together. We're part of a larger group. Mm-hmm. We're not Hawaiians standing by ourselves. We cannot do it by ourselves. So you got to reach out. So that was rather disappointing and frustrating that our that our engage, community engagement, I guess I would call it, and when I say community, I'm not just talking about rank and file. I'm talking about at the highest levels. Very little communication with governor's office it was something that we had to talk to about. The legislature, which is such an important body, because you know the the Hawaiians are responsible now for affecting a lot of public policy. So you would think that we would be engaged with the legislature, uh, both not only when they are in session, but in the in in between. You know, the, the the months in between where you can. Uh, delve into issues that take a while to to figure out what you want to do and how the legislature feels. Anyway, um, um, talking too much about that. Yeah. So that this this engaging all of Hawaii and, and connecting to people and wanting to to do things so that while we are at once helping Hawaiians, you know, achieve a, 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 a level of self determination that we're entitled to that we're also doing things to help all of Hawaii move together. That can only be accomplished if we embrace the rest of Hawaii and not kind of sit in our corner with our 600 million and only talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that. So that's my
0: favorite. I I think that that's, you know, it, it's kind of a people of a certain ilk have found themselves in that position. I, 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 I liken them to a lot of the, uh, like, a lot of the the smaller civic clubs throughout the continent, you know, I was seeing a lot of that from that generation where it was, they like things their way and they don't like move outside the system because they spent half of their life bucking the system. You know, all right, if it ain't ain't more broke, don't fix them, I guess. And it was just, you know, going through the measures and I find that it's, it's slowly causing a lot of cracks in the system. And now it's kind of visible where the holes are. But yeah. like where, where do you see the, the community side of, of how that can how, how that can be better amended from the community side engaging with OHA?
3: Oh, through communications. Uh, the you know, the reach out it, it it's it's not a secret how you do that. Uh, you know, you have a great communications department and you look at the issues and I mean just about everything that happens in Hawaii is somehow connected to Hawaiians. Yeah. You know the land, the ocean, the people. <laughs> we're Hawaiians. Mm-hmm. This is Hawaii and uh, we're not the only ones here. So, uh, engaging with others on things like access to healthcare—you uh, know, all the basic quality of life—that was another thing with uh, that I was a uh, was a little bit frustrated. Is the way the budget is, and I, I, I'm kind of screening your question, uh, but for good reason. The, the way OHA structures its budget, I had always felt that its primary responsibility, the betterment of conditions of Native Hawaiians, very broad mission, as stated by the Constitution you know, that established OHA, is to create a quality of life index like access to health care, uh, home ownership, uh, uh, housing, you know, period, all of those kinds of quality of life issues. That you you, you 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 string them out and you, you structure a budget around those topics, but they come they seem to come as uh, sometimes as thought. <laughs> so if you had a budget that was structured with specific quality of life pursuits, then the numbers begin to work better. Mm-hmm. And it's not that OHA, no way that they can. That they can rise to the level that needs, that that's needed, in order to provide the answers and the kind of support for things like access to healthcare, access to housing, access to you know, whatever. It requires that we work with the rest of the community because you you have uh, doesn't have anywhere close to the kind of revenue to actually run their own programs. If the goal is to service as many people as we can, we already have organizations around some Hawaiian, some are not, that deal with these issues. So what OWA needs to do more of, it's not like they don't do any of it, is to partner, to leverage our money, leverage our money with the state, leverage our money with the city and county, leverage our money with the organizations, with you know, whoever they, they, they might be. That's the way to, to get the biggest bang for your dollar, you know? And then, as you're leveraging your money in, in agreements that partner you with various community institutions and organizations, now you are in the ground. You know, you're in, we're, we're into every aspect of what makes Hawaii tick. And that, I think, should be OHA's major goal as the Hawaiians. I
0: don't know if that makes sense. If I make it sense, dig it. No, I, 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 I dig what you're saying. Um, sorry, I, I yep. lost the train of thought <laughs> after confirming that. I was like, uh, where do we go from here?" Uh, but no, so um, yep. you know, one thing I oh. actually wanted to ask you uh, because I'm just starting to get. Uh, OHA candidates uh, in interviews and we're, we're about to go to our, our second round interviews where I, I kind of want to ask more relevant and direct questions and I, and sure. I have to say that like OHA is like one of the things that like I really have to be honest and say I don't know enough about and I'm like constantly learning something new uh, as far as like the function and where it sits and then I'll, like trying to catch up <laughs> on, a, on a history that's just been developing constantly since I was a kid so that it's just like I, you know, so I, I would really love your point of view on what do you think is an important question or problem that, that current candidates for OHA need to face?
3: Oh, boy, you know, for me, it's, it's a hard question to answer because my answer might be, a, I don't mean to sound arrogant, my answer might be above the level of thought you know, that, that a normal candidate would be thinking of. First of all, why nine trustees? Why not 18 trustees?
0: Why not nine on each island? Why you
3: know? <laughs> why uh, function yeah. mostly like a trust fund? Why not function like a legislative body?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: those kind of rules.
0: I dig that Why idea. are
3: the districts the way they are, yeah. where nobody from, where neighbor island trustee candidates there's no way for them to get elected without oahu yeah (laughs) stuff like questions like that you know yeah i i i I, I think oha needs to and these are huge questions uh you know what if we went to a moku system
0: yeah i Uh, you know i was really surprised that for all of (laughs) my understanding of of what oha aimed to be that it wasn't more of like an alderman system that could yeah. sit on like a closer level to the street than the city council member, you know? Yes. You know, like have some kind of hybrid of a city council member meets a state rep and yes. and they could float between the fed and the local level and have liaison points. Kind of you know, I mean, it almost needs to be like a lobby meets a a not like a nonprofit lobby more or less, but yeah. Yeah, yeah like yeah,
3: like it it should be sort of more, I think more more like a legislative body than a trust fund body. You know, rather than like a commitment schools trustees or L- Leo Kalani Trust trustees. Yeah. Should be more of a, like a legislative body um, uh, than that. And, 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 and I, I guess the way I would define that is that when, when you're serving as a trustee, you are serving what you know, what the English word beneficiary mm-hmm. uh, uh, says. What does beneficiary mean? It it means what is the reality, let me put it that way, of beneficiary? Beneficiary means you're dependent on a third party for whatever it is that you're supposed to be getting. As opposed to if, if it were a legislative body, you would be citizens. That's a whole big difference. Between being treated and being thought of as a beneficiary versus being thought of and being treated like a citizen. So one needs to. That's what would happen if they would, they could ramp ramp up or, you know, into a legislative more of a legislative body, and make Hawaiians feel more like you know their voice really counts, you know, et cetera, and then I I think uh, we get more people. Oh. Let me jump back real quick to the the, the question about uh, uh, so uh, the, the 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 statistics on the votes
2: mm-hmm. about uh,
3: yeah a lot of people not voting who vote on other races. I think there's two reasons for that, um, and probably a few in between, but mostly the ones that don't vote. I think a lot of that has to do with people feel non-Hawaiians. Feel like Hawaiians ought to be left to solve their own problems, mm. uh, and I—I I guess it's sort of, sort of a sign of respect, kind of, but it's a, in my opinion, a misplaced kind of respect because we are very involved, and we, are, uh, what Hawaiians do in Hawaii, especially in public policy, affect everybody. Yeah. So you know, I mean, never, but you know, people entitled to that. And the other reason is I think people uh, don't like OHA. They don't like what they stand for. They don't agree with Hawaiians uh, being given uh, special entitlements, uh, et, cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so th- that's a problem. And then because those numbers have been pretty much the same you know, in terms of the, the, uh, the weak voter turnout for OHA trustees, that we would have been able to figure out a way to get around that over the years, but um, very, very little attention is paid to that.
2: Mm.
0: So my troublemaker question would be, uh, since you're the inside man, how would a person go about proposing change to like bylaws or operational policy in order to enact, uh, like an alderman or a Moku system?
3: Is that feasible? Uh, I think the, the the best way to do it is through the, legis- the state legislature. I don't think it can. I don't think it's a thing that can occur again from within the office really? of. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's you know oil is 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 they're not they're not answerable. To the legislature or the governor's office with respect to how they spend their money. They are, uh, of course, the legislature has a lot to say about how they get their money, but not how they spend it, right? Um, so, the so so while the legislature may not have any financial control over how the office spends its money and utilizes its, its trust fund, uh, the legislature still has jurisdiction under the constitution, right? To, uh, to revisit the constitutional provision that established OHA and uh, uh, do a little bit more thinking on how the organization should be operational. Now, it's a little late to be doing that after 30-something years. Yeah. uh, uh, You know, in terms of timing, and it might, to some people, seem ridiculous. But it's not. It's the thing that's been missing all these years is really paying attention. I think it was fine the way OHA got started. You know, I was on the first board. Uh, Oh, boy, there's some stories about that. (laughs) The first board. Uh, But uh, for another day. Um, So the legislature, I think, would be the body to look to uh, to create any significant shifts in elevating, and and I want to emphasize that, elevating OHA to the level of, of a governing body. And that, to me, if the legislature is willing to do that, OHA then becomes more of a governing model than a trust model mm. and so you know so then you you get you get down into the, how the elections are set up how the districts are set up uh it's more things that operations that citizens are uh, more familiar of you know of, of how that works okay so yeah anyway. yeah so,
0: my modification to this then, because as the kid who grew up taking apart the VCR and putting it back together, um, <laughs> my, it has now perked my interest of how do we do this without said interaction. So, the, my next question would be, could Oaha form a committee or a commission of a community entity? Like, Say like a neighborhood, uh, like a, a neighborhood interaction group. Yes. So well, then, like,
3: thank you huh? for asking that question, I am uh, half the reason I didn't run for OHA was what I stated. I didn't think that what I was trying to do could be done from within the organization, and instead, I felt uh, my time is better spent. I'm I'm launching a private nonprofit organization, a foundation, actually. Um, I don't have a name for it yet, but the the purpose of the foundation is to create strategic dialogue, uh, a strategic uh, strategic dialogue um, among uh, Hawaiians, especially. Um, to to we got to take the issues, you know, directly to the people. Yeah, and the institute would help do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking all these questions, questions like, "What about you know converting OHA to more of a legislative body than a trust, uh, uh, a trust run uh, body," those kinds of questions, where the institute would be set up. To as an example, one uh, one uh, initiative could be to, uh, say, pick the top hundred Hawaiian leaders, leaders of Hawaiian ancestry. Uh, from not just uh, political leaders, but you know leaders in sports, in medicine, in business, and work out a series of of real fundamental questions that in the end is asking a person, what does self-determination look like to you for Hawaiians? What should it look like for Hawaiians? And then, you know, Of course, it it would take a long time to do that. So if it takes a year, year and a half, whatever, in the end, what you'll have is a lot of information about how Hawaiians feel, at least that that leadership section. Then there are other things we can do to, to, to try to figure out where Hawaiians, so that when somebody gets up and says, I speak on behalf of the Hawaiian community, you don't have to say, wait a minute, what do you mean by the Hawaiian community? You know, we, we, we keep getting that right from uh, uh, because there is no center of gravity. So the inst the purpose of the institute is to try to create a center of gravity for uh, for dialogue, both within the Hawaiian community and without the Hawaiian community, for the specific purpose of trying to achieve at some point in time some level of reconciliation, so we can put this whole thing with the federal government and all of that at rest. Mm-hmm. Now, whatever that model might be, whatever that you know, initiative might be to do that, the Institute hopefully can come out and, again, through communications and, and, and studies and whatnot, we can, we can actually accurately express this is what the Hawaiian people would like to see happen.
0: Yeah, I, I you know I I really dig that idea. I feel that you know I I sat on a couple economic development forums over the past month because of doing the SEDS thing, and you know I was, I was very, I was very taken aback for how small of a community, to actually get data from. Like case in point from Maui when I was when I was on that one I was like. Why don't you just poll all 9,000 people on Molokai? Like why are we only talking yep. to 50 people? Yeah. You know? Like yes. it's like it's like Absolutely. a really bad version of Nielsen family ratings, you know? You got like one one Hawaiian who gets interviewed who may be the answer on behalf of 25 people because you know, they only send out so many surveys or knock on so many odd doors.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, those 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 the opinion polls and the surveys, you know, a, lo- a lot of that is, is determined in terms of the size of the sample is th- the expense. You don't have to worry about that. We don't plenty of money to do surveys. And we ought to be doing more surveys. You're right about that. I mean, I like what you're saying. Why not? <laughs> you know, like, uh, what, it wasn't an OHA survey, but, like, for instance, um. Much, I think around 2015, when the, uh, when the, uh, uh, the Mauna Kea issue first exploded. Mm-hmm. You know, the surveys from back then, the Hawaiians were... were the optic was that Hawaiians were opposed to the 30-meter telescope, and the truth was that when those surveys were done, Hawaiians were really supportive. And the difference was that those who opposed it, and I'm not talking, you know, I'm not supporting, or I'm not saying one thing about one way or the other, the uh, the ones who opposed it were, had great, great skills in managing social media. So they were able to generate the notion that the Hawaiian community was united in opposing the TMT. And out of that came a lot of different issues. but why, not a, why Why wouldn't OHA do a survey on that to find out exactly how I feels? Now, this doesn't mean that they have to do, sometimes surveys get to be a little bit misleading because maybe the survey doesn't, uh, you know, people don't really understand the issue and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, what you're suggesting is so that would be fair. Self-determination, what do we mean by that? How do you define it?
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, um, since you brought it up, you know, I feel that that's a that's a good segue out of OHA, but still OHA related in terms, I guess, you know, especially per the survey. Like, and I, I really do like the fact that you brought brought up that's that statistic just as far as like optics, because as someone who like I support the advent of science and everything that it brings us, but then there's also a respect for like you know, where we come from, and then, like, yeah. seeing it from both sides just because it's, like, yeah. you know, there there's obviously a lot of good intent from those against it, and then we have, even though there is a vocal majority that says it's for it, a lot of what stands to be gained isn't really, in the end, like, effectively positive, you know, or, like, or am I missing something? You know, because, like, I... The super science nerd in me goes, well, why would we even put that there if we can put things on the dark side of the moon now? Like, do we really yeah. need to put it there? Because, like, we could set up a moon base. Like, yeah. the Chinese are already growing uh, uh, vegetables on the dark side of the moon. We could be parking right next to them. Another excuse to watch the Chinese. People love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, the, the, the issue for me on the TMT is... Um, how do you validate a claim of cultural injury okay right because it's the uh uh, uh, those who are opposed to it are claiming a lot of cultural injury uh i don't i don't want to get into the weeds but there was this thing called the battle of Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay you know where i'm going yeah right the battle of kuomo basically did away with the priesthood, and the priesthood was the one government body that would rule on things on the kapu, right? They will rule on the, that's all gone now. So who do we have that says a kapu is valid or not, or a kapu is correct or not? Uh, nobody. So. What's happened, in my opinion, over the, the uh, recent years, the last 10 years, is people have been making stuff up and not challenged.
0: You know, I and, have to agree uh, with, with part of that notion. You know, when when a lot of the, the amount of movement stuff was starting, one of the biggest things that kept me from like participating in the beginning was there was a lot of charlatans that came out because wherever there's a power vacuum and money to be made people show up you know and that was kind of like the advent of the the second coming of the like weird silicon valley guru that just changed their life overnight and just oh my god fell in love with the aina i'm totally hawaiiana transformed and then they you know they're now priestess (laughs) shelly whatever and you know, they they control a contingent of thought, you know, so it's right. it's, it, you know, it, and I saw that it was a lot of hard work for the real Kumus that were involved because they were they were focused just they it was blinders on focus on the prize. And so they were trying to do their best. But then on the outside, you have these influencers and these people banking off of this because it was an opportunity just like standing rock, just like most of the other protests on the continent. Like, I mean, that's one thing that I, I find that happened over the last, last three election cycles really hard with how, how easy the general public of America has figured out how to unlock influencing is that Mm -hmm. we now have like all of these echo chambers and once it's established by one person who gets retweeted enough. They're seen as an authority, whether they actually have any authority or not.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, so, so this business of, uh, of, of validating and there is a way to validate, but you have to have a body that is positioned with authority to exercise that validation process. And the validation process basically involves three things. One is the uh, the practice that is being questioned or proposed, right? Uh, has to have been one that frequently occurred through the years. Can it be something that you just did? Yes, you can. You can create a culture is 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 evolutionary. So, but if you're going to do something new, introduce something new into the culture as a cultural practice, you got to say that. You got to say, "Oh, I just invented this," and you know what? This is uh, uh, this is the way it should have been for the last 300 years. So, all right. So, one is the frequency. Um, uh, second is the chance. You know, it 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 uh, there needs to be some kind of validation that that the cultural practice is mentioned or is is talked about. Uh, in the chance. And then the third is to reference uh, scholars of the day in looking at the, you know, whatever's being questioned. And the three of those get merged into one kind of a judgment piece as to whether or not a claim of injury or a proposed uh, uh, you know, validation of a custom uh, is being required. And so all of that stuff is already there. Uh, it's just that we uh, we have not yet seen fit, and uh, unfortunately, OHA turned down an opportunity, you know, that I wanted to, to try and do, to establish such a body, like that. Uh, it should really be a body that's that is created at the state level, because a lot of the you know a lot of the Hawaiian cultural practices and stuff affects public policy, sometimes really good, sometimes not so good and uh we need to have a way to determine you know what is truth and what is not but uh unfortunately we haven't got to that that level of sophistication in our you know in our growth hmm.
0: well i think i think that was a, a, enough in the weeds on tmt cuz like i i i i absolutely appreciate your your moderate sensibility on it, because, like, I mean, that's that's really, that's been the hardest part for me. You know, is that like, I know what they're trying to say when they're fighting against it. Those with 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 any good intent in their heart for yeah. it, yeah. But and
3: both sides have, are, are are passionate, you know, yeah. about how they feel the on the side of the support of the TMT. It's not so much the TMT. It's is they go back to the night of pole you know, the creation and reaching out to, uh, to, to get to the place where we started, where our ancestors, you know, were birthed, that is, that is a huge part of the culture. But that part and the TMT, you know, like, let me put it this way. The most astounding thing when Captain Cook came of the new, of, the, of the stuff that he brought you know, uh, you know, like Hawaiians blew their mind to have metal to make weapons and, mm-hmm. you know, and wood and all of that. But the one thing for the, for especially the, uh, the warrior class, not me, was binoculars. The binoculars blew them away because you could see. <laughs> yeah. So, so the TNT kind of, func- you know, would, have, from a Hawaiian perspective, would function like that. Allow us to see back in time to go back, you know, to the night of pole. I always thought that was a really fascinating uh, alternative, uh, you know, I mean, fascinating reason to support, you know, the team. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes our our binocular system. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it, there, there's one
0: thing that I've always been been, you know, thinking about when when looking at that that little like change in history right before like overthrow and statehood. But I mean, as where we were as a learned society and how educated we were, you know, and, yeah. it, and it just seemed that like we had a much more like before common era, old world system compared to the Western world. You know, we were still connected yeah. to that piece of like, you know, you know, pre biblical times, you yes. know? And so, and I think that there was a lot, you know there was a lot more openness of culture because of that. I think that that we you know it seemed to be and especially like reading what books are still available or at least have been scanned now is that right. like there was a leaning towards elevated you know engagement with higher thought and and it wasn't always this clear cut like religious or deities or anything. It was it was very much like being in old world egypt in that sense of just like people have gods Uh, people you know it's it's things you do you know and so and then it just didn't completely define people because as a community that's what mattered more on that tribal level of community right
3: yeah and speaking of tribal that's another thing that that you know i don't have any data or way to explain it but I don't know. My impression is we're we're more tribal now than we were uh, pre Khmer Mayor the first. <laughs> Give that some thought.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, we we became a very <laughs> you know protocol bureaucracy, like understanding like our monarchical and like essentially like faux parliamentary system that operated inside of it. Like I. Yes. I mean, we, we were on, on a cutting edge of society and, like, most people kind of forget. I think that that's, like, one of the things that, remarkably, I get angry about the most about loss of Manao in, like, forgetting about our culture and not say, like, for what's little is available into the window of the past. So much tells me that, like, you know, we we were, you know, just as capable as any other first world nation. We just you know, didn't have some of the bells and whistles and that was more out of the fact right. that we, you know, we had, we had the time, you know, we had yeah. centuries of, of data and understanding, you know, the thing that always like, yeah. I, I've always like carried with like a, oh my God thought in my head since I was a kid was just like yes. how much we changed naval history as yeah. being, you know, the center of, of the Pacific, you know, and like how. How like the Western map of the world and the view of it changed and like how much of that information was a part of the East but the West didn't have anymore or lost because you know, and so it's just like how we were such a valuable like data set and society and and the respect system, you know, and that's that's the weirdest thing to me is just like we had a level of worldly respect to the point to where like we could petition another government a half a world away and go brah don't take us over and then the next thing you know it's like oh sorry we didn't tell that guy that he's not supposed to do that apologies yep. come to the jubilee it'll be great
3: yeah exactly no you're right it's uh oh uh, you know how, how do we? i think i think hawaiians hawaiian culture hawaiian I think we have something to offer the world, you know when you take a look at how we manage growth now it's true that it was a uh, it was not a marketing it wasn't a uh, a market driven economy right this was a subsistence economy mm-hmm. but still the scale the scale of the subsistence economy of the time was huge so the way they laid out the. Uh, uh, and the different regions, and, you know, what, what, what the land use, how the, the structured land use was brilliant, brilliant. I mean, the quality of life was great. If you were to take those same concepts, you know, of what the uplands are for, what the mountaintops are for, mm-hmm. yeah, back to the TMT, right? Where am I, uh, all the way down, right, so the Alpha is top of the mountain out to the outer edges of the reef, all within the, the Alpha. So then, you know, now you get into all the shoreline management stuff. If they were just, you know, you know for instance, when, when a species of fish needed relief, you didn't need to declare the area uh, off limits for, for a whole year. You just had to manage it, you know, little, little bits at a time. So open, close. But it was only for that species you didn't close off an entire area like uh, Papahanaumokuakea, right? Yeah. The size of Texas, Alaska, and some out of state combined, no fishing, or, you know, for certain, certain things. Certain. They were species specific in in, in in how they managed the fish. The whole thing about the, the, the fish pond technology, where they understood. Uh, Uh, what do you call it, the sun uh, photosynthesis. They understood the the sun's impact on the pond and then the depth of the pond. And it wasn't just fish they were raising. They were raising like stuff, uh, uh, plants and food based on all this, you know, science, basically. So I wish we could have done more or that we would get more into better documenting some of these practices and and try to create some public policy shape around it. Because it's very relevant to the stuff that's going on today where, you know, you got to question some of the judgment that we've been using with Hawaii's growth model. And part, part part of the challenge here is so much of the money or the economy that comes into Hawaii comes from outside and so the thinking on the spending of that money and what it goes to is is continental-based, like in real estate, right? Mm-hmm. If you make a 25-acre mistake, 50-acre mistake in California, who cares? You make a 25-acre mistake in Hawaii, it's huge. <laughs> you know, 50 yeah. acres, it's huge. Because most of that stuff is going to go right along the shoreline, because <laughs> that's where we have our houses and stuff. So the, the the continental thinking that has basically shaped our tourism industry is not that friendly to islands, which is why we have a real problem today trying to deal with the question of capacity. Because the business model we set up is poof. We're so over capacity now. <laughs> Yeah, you know,
0: and and I got to say that like there's there's a lot of you know, everything will be fine when it comes to reference to that. I, I find like a lot of the newer candidates are are big on like recognizing, you know, capacity of each island, uh, especially on Maui that's been a, been a huge conversation as of recent just because we've been receiving about one one and a half more more tourists per capita on the daily. Yes. And so it, it's just it, at what point does it seem like they just get you used to the new size? And then it's just like, oh, we tried fixing it. Well, I guess you just stuck with it now.
3: Right, right, right. And here again, you know, it all, uh, it, it all, it all gets down to uh, about, but just like on the tourism issue, uh, Hawaiians could play a huge role. The... I think some people make the mistake that that, that H- Hawaiians are anti-tourism. Well, we're not anti-tourism. We're anti the business model.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is predominantly exploitation.
3: So exactly. yeah. It's, no, it's, yeah, no, yeah, no. Nobody wants Aloha. to work the plantation Aloha. anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are the people of Aloha. You know, yeah, give and certain, but we, but you know, Aloha aku, Aloha mai, you Aloha, Aloha aku, and the. the it has to be, the aloha got to be returned. It's not a one-way street.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: P- people mistake that about aloha, that you just throw aloha out there and uh, whatever happens, happens. No, no, no. That's not the way it works. <laughs> or at least not the way it's supposed to work. So when we say aloha to, to people and welcome them into our land, then we also, that model also has to include respect for that land and respect for how that land is used and the growth model. And instead of this bimodal distribution of wealth <laughs> that the current model perpetuates, you know, it'd be nice to see a model where everybody was winning. Mm-hmm. And a Hawaiian I think a Hawaiian vision of how this industry out of work would benefit everybody without getting into, you know, specifics about it. But there's just ways. But we are still the people of Aloha. You know, when you get to the one on one basis, I don't see any Hawaiians, you know, uh uh, running around bad rapping tourists you know but uh, but of course they get mad about some of the model the business models that you know spring up every all the time
0: Yeah. so you know i i i've always kind of thought that like that's that would be our casino you know like because i'm not i'm not really big on the idea of casinos like that already comes with enough issues and continental natives that's that's their own can of worms and i'm kind of you know <laughs> but then sometimes yeah. i'm like wow we you know we happen to be the one race that got the 40 acres in a mule and it's not working out and yeah. it's just like we're res- like hmm you know so like that there's always been this like weird area as far as like being kanaka and just looking at the like how the different indigenous systems were, were treated in, in like the handout category. <laughs> right,
3: so, right. But yeah. like,
0: I think it also allowed us a lot more freedom that we just don't realize that we have to exercise because we've been put in a more a- access to legislation position and, you know, control of those funds. If we would actually exercise the use of yes. them, you know,
3: right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Hey, you know what? Uh, sorry, I gotta. I have a noon thing. I gotta. I gotta go get ready for it.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
3: but uh, hey, anytime you want to talk story, man, let me know. You know
0: Absolutely, people. I. You know, I. I could. I could talk story with you all day. There's so many questions I have, and I would love to have you back on in the future.
3: Anytime, just give me a call. I love talking to you. I one of the one of my. Uh, if, I don't get to talk to a lot of people, so I really enjoy doing stuff like this. Dig it. <laughs> so, yeah so just let me know okay
0: right on well you have a wonderful rest of your day then i'm sorry i said you have a good rest of your day
3: yeah you too kavika and uh, yeah keep it up man you really uh your podcast is really really good we need more people like you uh what you're doing is exactly the kind of thing that i would love for our instant the institute i'd like to create uh, uh to really uh, you know adopt Okay, take care. You too. Aloha. Aloha.
0: (gasps) Rabbit Holes is a Manavakal production. This episode was produced by Kavika Hoke and Sarah Rodriguez. Make sure to subscribe and follow on your favorite podcast platforms to add our weekly episodes to your queue.